0: Hello there, wrestling fans, and welcome. This is episode number 63 of Because WCW, the podcast, where the big boys play. Thank you so much for taking the time and trouble to download us from wherever you get your podcasts from and hello if you've just become friends and followers of ours on twitter over at because wcw my name is the twisted genius dean as and i'm joined as ever by my co-horse the sports communist liam hap good evening liam
1: good evening dean i see you've made those a bit permanent now have you
0: well i thought i'd get all the slips of the tongue in there at once you know running jokes. horse j- oh, yeah you're, you're yeah. lucky i'm a fan Sports of running club, yes.
1: jokes yeah if it wasn't yeah. for my long long love of running jokes i uh, i would take offense to that but no it's fine i hope you're having a good evening i'm enjoying mine i'm sat here looking out the window enjoying this torrential fucking downpouring june how about you
0: oh well it's uh, here on the south coast it's uh, it's a little overcast but absolutely dry as a bone so uh so yeah all, all good I uh, I did I I have a seat here. I'm also obviously working from home at the moment. I, this is where I do my uh, day job from as well, and I have a view of my garden. and And this morning, while I was uh, in a meeting, I was distracted by a three way uh, three way magpie argument uh, in the garden. I, and I, I like to think that it was uh, it was a magpie being caught by Mrs. Magpie cheating on cheating on her and you know, the mistress was there as well that's is, that's is the picture i painted in my head anyway
1: well i have to say when you started that with catching a freeway i thought um i was already painting a completely different picture in my head so they weren't going at it like rabbits only made no. fair enough fair they
0: enough. were flying around flapping their wings uh, have you have you ever seen the uh, the picture of the uh, three-way cat gangbang on the car roof
1: no, uh, you, that genuinely no, tends you to avoid it, it, my searches on Google. I'm afraid. Right,
0: it's 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 basically it was a picture used as one of. Um, imagine if you got the phone call from someone saying, "I can't come to work or I'm going to be late for work because there's a three-way cat gangbang going on in my car." It's it's magnificent. But um, anyway, as I, as I said at the uh, at the top of this, um, we've uh, we've we've had an influx of uh, of Twitter. Um, followers this past couple of weeks so thank you and uh, welcome to anyone who has just recently discovered us um and sorry you can and sorry yeah you can um you can see our entire uh, back catalogue because com, or as i said wherever you get your um wherever you get your podcast from um I did actually have a listen after we uh, interviewed Guy Evans. I did have a listen to one of the uh, podcasts that he uh, has done with Neil Pruitt, yes. um, "Secrets of WCW Nitro." What a fantastic podcast! Um, it's like just it's like listening to like three guys sitting in a pub talking about WCW.
1: Which of course is the grounds really for fun. the that's the grounds for the best podcast, and the fact that they have so much insight and so many stories to tell is that is the icing on the cake. But yeah, absolutely, every podcast should sound like people in a pub, or is that just me? sounding like someone who desperately wishes he could go back
0: to desperately, it? desperately wants to be in a pub. Yeah, so that's there. Neil Prince, secrets of W 70 Nitro, but also talking of um of Twitter as it were uh, a little while ago, um. We were previously, we mentioned uh, That's Our Mongo, um, if you remember, which is What Will Mongo Do Next? Um, There's another similar one that I discovered this week, um, which is At A Man Called Meng, and it's simply called Meng Doing Meng Things. So um, this this is just more of Meng being quadruple hard as he was. Very different to the Mongo one, which is kind of, in a way, really, really bad and in a way, really, really good. I like to think of the Mongo account as the Twitter equivalent of eating a deep fried Mars bar. H- how you know so? what I mean? It's Well, it's, it's kind of intriguing and you keep wanting to have more, but at the same time, you know it's doing you no good at all.
1: And like a Mongo match, it fills you with instant regret. Is that what you're saying?
0: Basically, yes, that is what I'm saying.
1: So, uh, if I find it weird that you would bring up deep fried Mars bars. Was that your dinner or something?
0: God, no. I'm, I'm <laughs> diabetic, you fool. What do you think?
1: So, you've never... Um, you've and, never, and you've been robbed it. of the, the privilege of ever having a deep fried Mars bar
0: because of your... No, sp- I have... I have had a deep fried Mars bar I have when many many years ago before uh, I don't even know if it was before it might have been after the diabetes (laughs) took hold but no I have I did I did have one I think it's like four or five bites and the first one is like this is a bit weird the second bite is this is quite nice and by the final bite you're like please please someone call me a paramedic
1: so so if I have this right and correct me if I'm wrong on anything because I'm really ignorant with things like this well I'm really ignorant in general to be fair. <laughs> um, so with diabetes it's a, it's a situation where you you have to really show great control to your to your sugar levels. Um if if that's the case would that make eat, a diabetic eating a deep fried Mars would that make you like clinging on to a lamppost in the middle of a tornado? <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, because it it requires a lot of close control to to be able to withstand all of that. And I've got to say, having had one myself, it's an experience I think everyone should try. But yeah, I've got no intention of ever having one again. Besides, the deep fried Milky Way bar I had in Edinburgh was actually much better.
0: Deep fried Milky Way.
1: For some reason, that's I don't know if it's like the light, fluffy texture of the inside of a Milky Way bar, with obviously you've got the you know the big, thick, fatty uh, batter deep fried over around it. There was a nice contrast there, uh, whereas a deep fried Mars bar literally just tasted like I was eating a warm Mars bar with extra calories.
0: And also for our American listeners, isn't am I right in saying that um now there's the the Milky Way is they're what they call the Milky Way. Is what we'd call the yeah. Mars Bar. And there's uh, a Three Musketeers Bar as well, or something. I seem to remember. I thought
1: they had. a the Milky Way bars Bar
0: as well. I can't remember now. There's, there's one of them is called one's called something else. This is great audio, isn't it? One is called one is one has got the name of the other one in America and. The one that it isn't is the Three Musketeers. I'm going to have to look up the Three Musketeers you, chocolate bar now.
1: Yeah, do you know what? Look, looking at a uh, quick Google, there's a few video thumbnails. And looking at the inside of a American Milky Way, I think you're right. An American Milky Way looks a lot like a British Mars bar. And there's also a video asking... Holding up one of each and saying, "Are they the same?" I'd have to watch the video by um, Danica Kristin to see whether or not she thinks they are identical. But right, here I we see go. what you mean there.
0: Yes, a Three Musketeers bar is a is what we know as a Milky Way bar. Ah, there you go. And the US version is sold as the Mars bar. Yeah, and. So there you go. And Milky, the, the American Milky Way is the British Mars bar, and the British Milky Way is the American Three Musketeers. And I have far too much knowledge of confectionery for a man who just a moment ago told you all that he's diabetic.
1: Well, in a, in a conversation, uh, about if you were to have a debate with someone about confectionery, at least you have a leg to stand on, even if you might not have a foot to stand on at the end of it.
0: This, this is very true. If I keep eating... <laughs> If I keep eating deep fried Mars bars, uh, I, I am definitely will not have a leg to stand on.
1: I'm sure you'd milk that as a great gimmick as a wrestling manager. You'd find a way to make money off of it.
0: Well, my doctor tells me to lose weight. And I suppose if I had to have a leg amputated, I would lose quite a lot of weight. But yeah, I don't yeah, think that's how they need me to have it.
1: That'd be a quick and easy way. So so I just want to go back and recap. So to our American listeners, because we, we do see that we have a nice sizable number of Americans listening to us, thank you and welcome if you're checking this one out. So I should, to clarify, I should be telling them to deep fry a free Musketeers bar.
0: Yes. That is my a deep recommendation. deep fried Mars bar is a deep fried... A deep fried... Yes, milky the Three musketeers, musketeers bar is milky way. Oh my god. Yes.
1: But the Americans You're, should deep
0: fry them.
1: Americans should deep fry a free musketeers and British people, Europeans should deep fry a milky way. Basically the one that's got the fluffy white middle is the best to be deep fried. I can't believe we are not going to get a culinary podcast, are we? No.
0: <laughs> no. I, I, a transatlantic culinary podcast is about um, eating shit. It's not on the horizon, even even yeah, even in this uh, era of lockdown, which, as we know, is a golden age for podcasting. I think that's a step too far.
1: Fair enough. Uh, weren't there something else we were gonna do? So I'm trying to think what was it? Oh, oh yeah, wrestling.
0: Wrestling,
1: (laughs) that was it. Wrestling. Do you fancy some of it? Not like that. Indeed.
0: Not like that. Not like that.
1: Listen up, slap nuts. That's right, this is Jeff Jarrett, the chosen one, and you're listening to Because WCW. Now, choke on that.
0: Yes, so if you are, we're doing the watch along, a Nitro watch along. If this is the 26th episode of Monday Nitro, and it was broadcast on February the 26th, 1996, originally. So, if we recap what we've seen in the past few weeks, we've seen the debut of Loch Ness, we've seen Arn Anderson beat Hulk Hogan. Um, But we're now seeing the the Four Horsemen and the Dungeon of Doom kind of coming together once more so that Mm. we can start forming the alliance to end Hulkamania. Is that right?
1: It is. And yes, I did just shudder as you said that. But Mm. but more more immediately, if I remember correctly, uh, an issue, a challenge, sorry, has been issued. Not an issue has been challenged. No. Uh, there's plenty of issues being challenged in the news. So we won't do that here.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Yeah.
1: Uh, a challenge has been issued for tonight, and it's a six-man tag. So we've got um, Hogan, Savage, and, in Hogan's own words, the Bully, 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 Bully man uh, against Free Hills. I suppose maybe the Horseman.
0: Maybe the Horseman.
1: Oh, i can't really uh, remember who they're not that it matters which free heels are against that's probably why i don't remember
0: it is um flair anderson and kevin sullivan
1: oh wow wow we were anderson so and sullivan getting we along have, there.
0: we have got yeah we have got the uh did did they just get along because Pillman had gone? And how did Bootyman go from Zodiac to Bootyman? Or doesn't anyone know or care?
1: Yeah, they, as we said in the last watch along, they really didn't give enough uh, explanation, at least on Nitro. And yes, we are still transitioning at this point away from Saturday Night being the main show. Basically, every I think I feel like everything from the start of Nitro to May 27th when Scott Hall shows up, that is basically a transition from Saturday night being the top one, slowly to Nitro taking over. When you get to that Hall debut, for me, that's when, yeah, you can safely say Nitro is the show to watch. But for what we cover here, not a great deal has been done. We, we know there's been mention of, apparently, he as the Zodiac, he was a spy in the Dungeon of Doom, but there's been so many bounce arounds at this point, it's just, it makes your head spin, doesn't it?
0: Oh, yeah. WCW all over really right shall we uh shall we get get on with it um hopefully my um my s- computer system here my browser that's the word won't freeze up like it had done previously um but if it does i'll i'll let you know and we can uh, rescue things so um we are all set on zero 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 are you ready liam
1: I am just giving now that you're mentioning issues. I'm sticking in my ethernet. You've made me paranoid, but yes, I'm ready to go now.
0: Okay, well, we will press play in three, two, one, go. Cue burning buildings, Uh,
1: cue loading circle. No, here we go, burning buildings, loading circle, then burning buildings. We are up and running, and there's the Hulkster on a burning building.
0: I may be a second or two ahead of you there. I've just had the Macho Man elbow.
1: In life or on the podcast?
0: Bit of both, really.
1: Fair play. I can't contest that. Lovely set. I do love that set. It is nice. And it's
0: the old school WCW logo that we know and love.
1: Yeah, they're starting to find it because before they just kind of had a little tunnel way. But now they're starting to find their way with the miniature version of a stage. Uh, yeah, those those two old school WCW statue logos either side. That's a really nice setup. They should have kept that.
0: And what's the dog wearing today?
1: <laughs> this week in our regular segment of Oh Fuck What's He dressed That Dog As? The answer is...
0: What is that poor dog being made to wear this week?
1: I'm actually more concerned on, about what Mongo's black. wearing. Mongo in leathers doesn't work. And is Heenan no. wearing Burberry? <laughs> it looks um, Burberry. Uh,
0: he may very well be. He may well be. Heenan was a Millwall chav. I can't believe it. <laughs> the, um, the poor dog is basically wearing a dog version of what Mongo's wearing.
1: Is that a white socks cap? Obviously, the baseball equivalent of uh, Mongo was a famous Chicago Bear. And I think that's a Chicago White Sox logo on the cap.
0: Oh, OK. <laughs> you, you know far more about American sport than I do. I'll bow to your greater knowledge. So uh, we're just running down the card at the moment. And we're starting things off with Sting. So a uh, big name coming out.
1: And here is the An wonderful
0: match-up of. So you
1: guys. <laughs> yeah, we're used to this happening. I was just going to say this is the wonderful generic kill music of Big Bubba Roger. Yes, I was right. I'm yeah. good at recognizing generic music. Now. Oh.
0: And and Eric Bischoff is just giving us spoilers from the World Whining Federation. He's not even wasting time. <laughs> he's talking. He's basically running through the recorded card of WWF. Now we've got that out of the way. You're aware that the action is live here. Who knows what's gonna happen? Oh. Oh man.
1: I I was just gonna say that. funnily enough. Um, Oh, the side that won that war, the side whose streaming service we're using to watch this show, they actually <laughs> yes. they, they actually uploaded Sting the Lost Tape recently, which, funnily Ooh. enough, was built around a match between Sting and Big Bubba Rogers. Uh, it yes. was the, I
0: want to say, Slamboree 95. 95, yes, which is a show we haven't done yet.
1: Yeah, we we can totally look at that. I reviewed it for hookedonwrestling.co.uk, proud uh, part of because WCW's extended family. And you know what? If you're into WCW and Sting, watch it. It's only half an hour long, but I gotta say, it, it's it's nothing incredibly amazing outside of what seemed to be some really interesting passive aggressive comments from Sting after his match. Like he really wasn't happy with how the match was booked, the way it went, because it was like a no disqualification match, and they were taking some ugly bumps on, like, an old school table that doesn't break, and things Mm. like that. And he made, like, this offhand comment about, oh, next time I'll maybe take a chainsaw with me. I think he was a little displeased with the hardcore style. But then he tore the house down with Cactus Jack, so I I don't know.
0: Mm. Yeah. But, um... It, it, it's um, I mean, 15 minutes of the 30 minute show is um, is the match itself.
1: Shame there is a quiet, on did, at the end, yeah.
0: Yeah, I did like um, the interaction backstage with uh, Macho Man and owing mean, him money and stuff, and oh, uh,
1: such just natural banter, wasn't it? It's things like that are, are yes. re- their reasons why they should put these things up. That's worth seeing.
0: Yeah, uh, but I always, I always find watching watching people put their face paint on or just watching people put their yeah you know, getting themselves prepared in that way that physical change i always find that fascinating um i i remember uh doing a show with um Dustin Rhodes when he was putting his gold dust makeup on once and um it was just in the in the bathroom of the locker rooms, you know, and and uh, I was kind of just caught myself just staring at him for like 20 seconds, watching him paint this on. And then I realised, sorry, this is a bit weird, isn't it? But he must uh, be yeah, used to. very interesting thing to watch. Oh yeah, he was he was such a nice guy, and uh, and he even bought me a beer in the bar afterwards. Well, love, lovely man. And for anyone who buys me a beer, is a lovely man. Let's face it. That includes me. Yes, Yay! I'm a lovely man. Oh, big, uh, big uppercut from Bubba Rogers, and uh, does that? What do you call it? Then this. Oh, here we go. The slide under and the uppercut. Slide yeah. under the ropes and the uppercut over in the old sort of six-one-nine position. You can't. Can you tell that I'm a wrestling commentator? Like I'm a... clearly out of practice. That's what's happened.
1: Maybe a ver- vertical rope press. I don't know, something like that. But oh, yeah, like It, it used it. to be all the... Everyone did that in the 90s, didn't they? Even Ooh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. teams,
0: especially. Wasn't it the Beverly brothers who'd do that over the top rope and one would hold the legs of the opponent and the other one would leapfrog over him and crash down the Maybe, opponent's back?
1: but Haas and Benjamin did it much better, even if the Beverly's did do it first. I think the Beverlys were more known for that um, move where one would do, do like a lift-up flapjack, then move out of the way, and the other one would come with like a facebuster. They nearly broke someone's yeah. neck doing that, didn't they? It was a cool, <laughs> yes, it was a really did. cool finisher
0: that none of the uh, big teams wanted to take.
1: Oh, don't blame them.
0: Anyway, Bubba, Bubba's made a cover, but a uh, a very nonchalant cover that gets a two count. Now he's making another cover, hooking the leg, and it's too late and it's just a two count. So we're kind of seeing there that, you know, could they're, they're intimating there that had Bubba gone for the pinfall properly, he might have beaten Sting.
1: Which is standard we commentary.
0: Is be.
1: Yeah. A standard is always, oh, yeah, he'll be too nonchalant, isn't it? It's been pretty pedestrian so far. They're they're hitting their, their usual their greatest hits, their usual notes.
0: I mean this is a good TV opener as far as you know in competition with WWF goes. They are um you know, they're gonna get people watching Sting and Big Bubba.
1: Oh. Did did he just stinger splash sting? Kinda.
0: He did. Yeah.
1: Suppose that's not completely out of the big bubble wheelhouse, but to not see him all. do a similar move to a stinger splash to sting while intimating that a granny in the front row should kiss his ass.
0: I was just about to say, I mean, I'm assuming that's a granny and not Kevin Sullivan in disguise because we can only see the back of their head.
1: To be fair, that just make the whole thing even weirder. <laughs>
0: My um my system, my browser here is occasionally uh occasionally buffering, but literally for a split second, but I'm getting very textu that this is going to just fall on its ass at any moment now. So far so good. All the granny's out to rescue Sting. She
1: should reach out for a tag. Do
0: you know what? This reminds me of the glow and she look, she's trying, she's she's the old deer is standing on the guardrail, threatening to punch him. This reminds me of the glory days of British wrestling, of the old deers in their handbags. And you would literally get old deers with, their, with knitting needles in their handbags, stabbing the heel in the leg with a knitting needle.
1: Oh, dear. But I can't, having seen her face, I can confirm it is not Kevin Sullivan.
0: No, but uh, security have now gone over to her and got her to sit down again.
1: Like hell they did. She was a plant.
0: Well, all that is going on. Bubba is just kind of keeping on top of Sting with very sort of low off, low impact offense just while the crowd's attention is, is uh, away from the ring. So veteran move there. Oh, big pile driver coming up from Sting. Really weird execution, though. Sting, rather than sitting down, fell forwards on his knees and kind of didn't look like he landed him particularly well.
1: I'm not sure if I've ever seen that before. A regular pole driver with a kneeling finish. Mm. What the hell was that?
0: That was a cross between an American-style pole driver and a tombstone. Yeah. It's the tombstone was the pile driver that was always used in, in Britain. I'd never seen the sit down pile driver until I started watching American wrestling in the late 80s.
1: Well, the video games always called it a Texas pole driver, probably because of Terry Funk. But yeah, it was a, like a oh. Texas, Texas pole driver, American pole driver hoist, and then a tombstone landed on the knees. That was odd. Now we oh. could see some stinger splashes. Oh, maybe not.
0: Here we go. Bubba ran into the corner. Oh, Sting went for the move that would later become known as the Vader Bomb, and Bubba gets the knees up. What a planterist. And you know what, Bubba has, <laughs> yeah, Bubba has, uh, Bubba has had the majority of the offense here.
1: Yeah, he's gone to the top.
0: And he's gone. Yeah, that was an odd thing to do because he went to the top while Sting was on the outside, as if Big Bubba Rogers is going to do a planter. Sting's up top, cross body block. This could be it. It is. Shades of Lex Luger at Super Bowl 2, that's the... uh, Do you know what? That was the Sting equivalent of the Macho Man formula. Yeah. He literally didn't have any offense and just then, right at the end, after an error, got in the cross-body block rather than the big elbow and wins the match.
1: Well, he stole moves from Vader and he stole uh, match layouts from Macho Man.
0: But, uh, yeah, it's weird to see... But then that makes sense as well as... to. I was going to say that makes sense as well as to why Bubba was doing like the big the Stinger splash because Sting wasn't doing it.
1: Yeah. It's a very odd match. Weren't terrible or anything. Went a bit longer than it needed to, I think. But, um, yeah, it was just odd seeing Bubba look like he was actually going to try and go off the top to the floor. Our last episode looked at Macho Man going off the top of that massive cage and buggering his leg. I think that would have been just as bad if that had come through.
0: Mm. And it's Lex Lex Lugan the Renegade coming up next. And they also just mentioned in commentary that Hulk Hogan is coming try has to try and come back from two successive losses to Arn Anderson. Yeah.
1: For as much as you can really consider <laughs> them losses.
0: Yeah. Well. We're having an advert for the new WCW magazine. Wasn't the same as the old early 90s WCW magazine. Great days. It's Mean Gene.
1: Oh. I was just going to say would uh, Sting and Luger cross over given their matches were one after the other but there they are meeting on the ramp and the road warriors have confronted them.
0: So what's this about? Hmm.
1: Respect to Sting. Oh not so much. Slashing off Luger. That's always been the dynamic of this team though.
0: Yep. So Luger is saying that they're the champs and
1: Sting's conflicted.
0: So Luger says they're a wrestler of any kind of match, any place, anywhere, while Hawk mugs at the camera.
1: I think I know where this is headed. You remember Uncensored 96, don't you, Dean?
0: Mm
1: hmm. He's questioning uh, his Chicago upbringing. Animal says that he's not a real Chicago native because he's never been downtown. Sting's trying to stay out of this, all isn't he? <laughs> and uh,
0: <laughs> and in a um, in a, an awkward moment of um, of subtitling, the white collar section of Chicago was uh, subtitled as the white color section of Chicago. Oh
1: God! Was that a Freudian yeah. slip?
0: That's just um, yeah, someone. Someone not quite paying attention, yeah. not as good as when they called Steve Michael Michael Mango, of course.
1: Well, a, a lot of them these days are done automatically, aren't they? Yeah. If, that's if true. you watch a YouTube thumbnail preview, the subtitles are atrocious.
0: Oh God, yeah. Although they uh, they couldn't work out the phrase "brothers in paint," <laughs> which is what um, what uh, Animal referred to Sting as. Okay, so we're now talking about an all-out Chicago street fight between the Road Warriors and Luger and Sting. Sting doesn't look happy about this. Well, Luger's accepting.
1: His partner's just talked him into a essentially a grudge match with his friends. The dynamic being that Sting would have given him a tag title shot, but now he has to street fight with them. And after happily accepting the terms, Luger is now asking Sting, what is a Chicago street fight? I love those two. That was fantastic. You're in
0: Chicago, you should know.
1: That whole thing was just great character playing up. It's a shame the match was toilet, even though they subbed Luger <laughs> for Booker <laughs> T. But then a, a street fight should not go half an hour.
0: Because Luger ended up in the Clusterfuck fuck cage match, didn't he?
1: How many Dean, how many um no disqualification style matches that went over half an hour can you say were were great? There's not a lot of them, are there?
0: Did Flair V Funk go half an hour? I don't think it did. No, actually. that
1: even that was more 18 minutes, which is which you know, you you've got to be good to go 18 minutes in a no DQ match. Because if you really use those gimmicks a lot, they lose their effect. And if you remember when we reviewed Uncensored 96, go check that back out if you haven't listened. Um, that essentially is what happened. They end up wandering around a lot because all they had in Whoa. their locker was broomstick shots, trash can shots. And half, or, half the way through, the Warriors were absolutely gassed.
0: So Luger has gone away to come back out again.
1: It means we get slammer, don't knock it.
0: And he gets to flex those pecs as Sting instructed him to, as he dumps the tag belt down on the floor.
1: Now I know as an in ring worker, the only short periods of greatness Luger had were were much earlier. Like, you know, he did some good stuff in eighty nine and things like that, but as a character he was you could tell he was having the time of his life here. You know, he's given a storyline to sink his teeth into. He's doing it alongside his best friend, Sting. It's just so much fun. And you can tell when someone's enjoying the work they're doing in wrestling, can't you?
0: Yeah. And also, this is, it's a believable storyline. You know, how many times have, have, have we encountered something similar to this in real life? Whether it be you know in the workplace, in families, in relationships, whatever it might be, it's it's something that. And this is one of the thing great things with a good storyline. You want it to be something people can relate to. You know, why did Austin and McMahon be such a great feud? Because people could relate to not liking their boss.
1: Exactly. Uh, I think not not long after uh, when this show aired, you had the rise of two power of Vince Russo in WWE, and around that time, that's when the uh, dysfunctional tag team champion stereotype got really one-dimensional. It would always be Ooh. tag champs who would fight each other and, and still come out with the titles, which, you know, is a fun novelty once, and it's just detrimental to everyone else when you keep doing it. But this was a rare time. There's not many other times I see a decent take on it. One of my favourites was always Kevin Steen and El Generico early on around the indies, where you'd have a clear hill bullying around the babyface but the babyface is just completely masochistic to it and he's happy to go along with what his friend does to him all the shoving around all that and when they when the bell rings they're a great tag team mm.
0: so there are ways to do it well this match lex luger and the renegade so far has been perfectly acceptable you know in the, i think no one's going into it with massive expectations. It's a one-dimensional kind of match, but it's—I would imagine—it'll be relatively brief, and Luke is going to win. But
1: you would hope this. Will I think be this
0: fun. is the yeah. I, I think this is the first time we'd seen Renegade on Nitro, isn't it?
1: Do you know what? If we have seen him on Nitro, I, I can't remember off the top of my head.
0: Yeah. I mean, he was brought in a year previous, wasn't he? Ninety-five mm. and. Uh, teased as supposedly being the ultimate warrior, and obviously wasn't, so really didn't didn't give him a chance to start with.
1: Yeah, and then when you realized it was actually somehow even less talented than the warrior, now, your typical typical muscle man with a good look fast tracked through the system and with the usual results that Booker seemingly never learned from,
0: yeah, I mean I, I think. You know, fair play to the guy that he was just brought into a situation that he wasn't he wasn't ready for, and uh, you know he's he's one of the, the guys I I look back on, and you know you kind of I feel that little bit uncomfortable just. Not uncomfortable just sorry for him just yeah I'm watching this and thinking about the position he was put in and and h- how the story ended for him
1: well if they if they're looking for stuff for the third season of dark side of the ring you'd yeah. imagine this will be something that at least consider in the uh in the brainstorming offices because it is it's, it's well, a, definitely it's a big example of the or, or literally of the dark side of wrestling
0: yeah, I mean, a guy who was brought in as a kind of, not not a, not a false advertising, but a real kind of bait-and-switch sleazy tease of someone else. Yeah, the, the implication
1: so, was obvious. They can't even claim yes. that they knew exactly what they were doing. It was obtuse, it really was.
0: And then, you know, clearly a guy who wasn't given any support by the industry after he was... St- chewed up and spat out by WCW and, and then ended up tragically taking his own life. I think yeah, as you say, definitely a, a real dark side of the ring here.
1: This is, this is going much longer than it has any right to.
0: Luger has just halted Renegade's momentum with a big vertical suplex.
1: It's, it's weird seeing Lex Luger actually taking a, a leadership position in a match as well. He's he's stepping into positions and walking Renegade through spots where Renegade's on the offensive, Ooh. which is a big telltale sign. If you're having to carry someone and you're having to do their, their offensive footsteps and moves for them, that really, you know, even to fans who are trying their best to... To shield themselves from things like that, it's it's just excruciatingly obvious.
0: Yeah, nice uh, handspring elbow. And a bulldog. And Renegade's now going up top. Is this going to be the end of... Uh... Oh, Jimmy Hart has come and shoved Renegade off the top rope. Oh, man. So Jimmy Hart, who is nowhere to be found previously, has now assisted Luger. He's got a Lex Luger image on his jacket as well. Of course he does. That's what Jimmy Hart always did. Fantastic stuff. You know, if they, if they, um, if they, they were going gonna, to, yep, torture act
1: If they were going to do a protected finish here for the man being defeated by Luger, they could have given him a much more fun opponent here like an Eddie Guerrero. If they were gonna protect with the interference, why not have something like Luca versus Guerrero?
0: Mm. Especially as as, you know, as we we said that Renegade hadn't been on Nitro before, so him losing isn't really gonna lose him any stock anyway. Unless unless it's meant to be something like he even needed Jimmy Hart's help with someone like Renegade. Like, you know, they're making Renegade to be very much low, even lower down the, the ladder. I, I don't know. Yeah,
1: I don't well, know. This is why I kind of understand involved in the finish because Luga's manager basically ran in. He weren't at ringside. And I was going to say I like the fact that he snuck in late on because... Obviously, Luger was with Sting before the match. Now Sting's out here yelling at Luger for having Hart help him.
0: And now Sting's come out and he's saying, What's what's Jimmy Hart doing here? Jimmy, and, and Luger saying, I didn't even know Jimmy Hart was down here. He's desperately the, uh, trying cracks.
1: to. Did you see what he did? He he went over and grabbed Renegade's hand and raised
0: it, like, Oh, look, we're buddies. Yes. You know, it's, all, it's all good. <laughs> And Sting has finally cracked here. Sting is now confronting Luger, literally getting in his face. The crowd are loving this. That Sting is finally sussing out what's going on.
1: Luger's buttering both sides of the bread, as they say. Yeah, they, they did that in a way where it's completely viable. Like, so Luger's not actually watching what Hart did. Uh, Hart would tell him that Renegade was in a compromised position on the outside, but technically he didn't like solicit the interference or anything. It's just a shame. This this could have been something like Luger Guerrero, which yeah. would have been much more fun to watch in the in the same vein as uh, Flair Bagwell, Sting Malenko. Yes. And
0: but did you notice as well that Sting won his match after shoving Big Bubba off of the top rope and then hitting the crossbody for the pin? Luger won his match after his opponent was thrown off the top rope, but not by Luger, but by Jimmy Hart. So it's like you've got similar finishes, one done cleanly, one done with... With outside interference. I don't think that was a coincidence by any stretch of the imagination.
1: And I tell you what, if you do that often enough, you're also establishing the fact that coming off the top rope in any form really is high risk (laughs) because you splat off the top and you can be done, which you have to do. You have to really establish that to make it effective. Because if someone does a finish like that, and then someone gets straight back up from missing a 450 in the next match, yeah, it doesn't quite work. But maybe they're trying to establish that. Mm. Here come Harlem Heat, which I'm guessing is the last match before our main event.
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, this is we're also now seeing the, the tag team division really lighting up. Got Harlem Heat, we've got the Road Warriors, two established tag teams.
1: So now this should be a good match. But it's mm. one of those matches which would benefit from being quite short.
0: Can also just point out that we saw an old lady wearing a Hulk Hogan cut off t- shirt over a hoodie, which she's clearly been given by merch
1: I was going to say, was it court mandated
0: <laughs> well she's in the front she's in the front row and she really doesn't look like the kind of person that would have a hulk hogan t shirt over her over her own black like, sweatshirt or whatever she was wearing.
1: Hmm. It's funny that no one who's wearing these Hulk Hogan t shirts look like they've actually dressed themselves.
0: Hmm. And they all seem to be sitting in the front row.
1: Yeah. Crazy.
0: Oh, there she is, right right between between the animal's legs, not like that. Um right in the front row facing the hard right in the front row facing the hard cam, a woman with Hulk Hogan merchandise. That
1: can't be right.
0: What a coincidence.
1: Uh, Bischoff says He says uh, the Road Warriors have made an impressive return to OCW. Personally, I just remember a handful of really lousy matches so far.
0: They've, um, they've not exactly set the world on fire, have they?
1: That face is a fear match went off a cliff fast, didn't it? Mm. And we didn't cover the clash. But if I remember correctly, their, their work at the clash that happened around this time a few weeks ago on the Nitro timeline um, wasn't all that either, so I think it might, might have been a tag team title
0: match uh, I forgot about the clashes we should uh, we should definitely start covering the few clashes here and there, completely
1: at random I say let's draw a Royal Rumble number because there's 35 and the Royal Rumble's 30 and the greatest Royal Rumble's like what was it 50 or
0: 500 in Saudi Arabia 758 I think and
1: 250 of them were Titus so O'Neill
0: yeah here we go Stevie Ray an animal
1: it's on like neck bone to quote one of the participants
0: Well, not an awful lot's happening in this, basically, which is why we're being quite quiet.
1: Yeah, we need to start talking about Milky Ways and Free Musketeers again. At this rate,
0: we do. Yeah. How long had it been that animal had been, animal stopped wrestling in ninety, end of ninety two, hmm. and then came. This is now ninety six. What? How long had it been since he'd come back? Was I mean the. Had they done anything in Japan, or was this literally he'd come back and gone straight into WCW?
1: I'd have to check that out. It's a, it's a bit of a blurry spot, isn't it? When yeah. uh, Hawk was in Japan teaming with um, Kensuke Sasaki. Sasaki.
0: Yeah, Power Warrior, wasn't it? Yeah. What they call themselves? The Hellraisers, that was it. Yeah. Which
1: is a... You, you, know, you can imagine how that team would work in Japanese wrestling, to be honest
0: hmm although from uh, looking watching the dark side of the ring on the road or is it pissed off uh, animal no end big power bomb by Stevie Ray onto um Hulk but then he doesn't even make a cover it's that's very weird the power bomb is known you know, at this time and even nowadays but the power bomb is known as a finisher and he's just used it as a, a transition move yeah
1: it's like Canadian
0: destroyers.
1: It's like the match has been put together by a random move general, is not it? And yeah, you're right, with all the criticisms of modern day thing, people seem to forget this isn't a oh wrestling these days issue. You watch you watch the correct shit match and you'll find it at any year in the wrestling timeline. There's always been instances of matches being really sloppily put together and People just randomly doing moves, and here, right here, between two guys who are not, uh, or two teams, four guys who are not proprietors of spring ball cutters or Canadian destroyers or even of a super kick, and yet they're still doing it and and losing the the structure of of a, of a match or a theatre play or anything you put together. Really,
0: I mean are we safe to say by 1996 what we're seeing here is that the road warriors of the wrestling equivalent of a shot fighter uh. i mean you compare you compare this to like how they were in the late 80s or even the wwf in the early 90s and they are this isn't the same team that that we knew and loved. This is uh, a shadow of their former selves. There's just not the, there's not the spark there. There's not the energy there, either in the ring or in, in the crowd.
1: You think of so many guys at the moment who are wrestling in middle age, guys like Chris Jericho and Dustin Rhodes, who are willing to put in the work to reinvent themselves and keep coming across as fresh but the Road Warriors never really had that. They had such good protection early on. They dominated. They very rarely lost, if if ever really. They definitely pretty much never lost clean, did they? And they kind of mm. just wandered back and forth from places in their 40s, expecting the same treatment, even though the industry was passing them by. And at this point yeah. in the timeline, Harlem Heat probably weren't there just yet. But yeah, they were, they were very much about to pass the Road Warriors by. And that's why it's interesting, even though the match was utter dross, it's interesting watching Booker T, one of the few high spots in that uncensored uh, Chicago Street fight, Booker T outshines the pair of them.
0: Mm. Hawks finally made the tag to Animal. Big dropkick from Animal.
1: I mean, I think he's known for his drop kicks. He'd always pull one off.
0: Yeah, not like that. Yeah.
1: I mean, I thought Animal had a pretty good combination of power and agility. When he did uh, make the effort, you know, he'd litter in a few uh, flying shoulder tackles and drop kicks.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you what I think it is in this. Just watching how things have been these last couple of minutes, an awful bumpy took off a spin kick. And just then, I think... I think the problem here lies with Hawk. He looks absolutely blown up. Mm.
1: There's the Hulk hangover. Something's hang not up, right. Huh? Yeah. And that's a that's a clear visual, clean pin on Hawk. And now Animal's cheap shot. But who who are the baby faces and who are the heels here? <laughs> Jesus <laughs> yeah. Christ. They have just done a cheap heel. Finish there after a babyface visual pin. Only it was Harlem Heat with a visual, and the Road Warriors getting the cheap pin. And I've got to say, from an in-ring standpoint, we're zero for three at the moment, and you just can't see this main event changing that. No.
0: Jesus, look at that picture of Booty Man. The. does Hulk, Hulk looked Kobe absolutely blown up. And well, I don't think that was selling either. He just didn't look at the races, did he? No. And let's face it, there could be plenty of reasons why.
1: Yeah, but then he he ended up being the face in peril. When they did that, he'd end up being the face in peril a lot. And it's one of my favourite all-time shows is the Battle Royal Albert Hall when they wrestled Power and Glory. And it's mm. it's one of them shows where I think we've all got these. I can remember every facet of that show. I went to it as a kid. I had the VHS. I can watch it on the network whenever I want now. Ric Flair's making his entrance right now on the Nitro. And I can do his uh, promo from that when he wrestled Tito Santana. Word for bloody word. So I remember that really wearing, well. Uh, and, and Wearing
0: green trunks, I remember.
1: Yeah. And I remember very well that um, Hawk did a similar um, paralytic drunk man facing in peril. So I don't know if it was being blown He probably was blown up, but yeah, when he had to be a face in peril, his selling was just like that, unfortunately.
0: Ooh. So uh, Flair is out with woman and Miss Elizabeth, who's wearing a dress that looks like it's made out of bin bags, but she still looks hot. <laughs> Arn Anderson and Kevin Sullivan, who we can confirm is not dressed—repeat, not dressed—as an old woman. Yet. But at this point in time, he was still married to a woman, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh,
1: I didn't even pick up on. It. I, didn't, I didn't sit there and think to myself, "Hang on, you've got these two uh, coming out together as part of a like a, a merged pair of factions here." Well, the penny didn't drop.
0: Here comes the Booty Man.
1: Isn't it weird how when the macho Man wears a tire that sucks up to Hulk Hogan, it actually makes his ring wear less obnoxious?
0: <laughs> the uh, the Mega Powers are back.
1: Plus that hanger on they just can't get rid of.
0: Yeah like his annoying little brother.
1: I think Arn Anderson's going to have a lot of fun selling for these three. Oh God.
0: Because I think we've long he's gone. He's already uh, asking for time out. Yeah, but he's not getting it.
1: We've long gone past the point of feeling sorry for Arn for having to sell for these three because he's done it with such gusto for so many weeks that you just have to assume that he, <laughs> he, he must be on board with it. There's, there's no other explanation. He must enjoy it. I said about El Generico being a masochistic character earlier. <laughs> Arne, Arne Anderson just <laughs> loves selling for people like Ed Leslie, apparently.
0: Oh, here comes Kimberly.
1: Oh, yeah, now
0: rem- isn't this uh, where she, uh, she has a thing for the booty man You'll and becomes the that, booty uh, bait?
1: uncensored 96 when we covered that as well yeah that was cringe and i'm sure it'll be cringe here as well
0: so they're they're basically doing absolutely everything they can to get the booty man who has got to be in his 40s by now over as a baby top baby face friends in higher and places it never what can i say oh yeah but it's it's just one of those frustrating things. Imagine if they'd made that effort with, I don't know, Eddie Guerrero, Steve Austin, someone like or that.
1: Absolutely anyone else. Anyone else. Anyone else. Higher knee. Get
0: it? Hit, oh, the booty man would hit a I... higher
1: knee. Yeah. Very good. I. Flair's wearing purple, so he might win. <laughs> not guarantee, but at least he's not no. doomed like in the red trunks.
0: Green, we know he's winning. Red, we know he's not winning. Purple, who knows? And, and just guessing.
1: Just to make this episode even more surreal, Mongo is now teaching Bischoff and Heenan about Sun Tzu and the art about of war. About what? Sun Tzu and the art of war.
0: OK. See, so this reminds me of an old maths teacher I had, who would go off on math on massive tangents, and at the end of the lesson, would tell you about all the different subjects he'd covered in that lesson, even though his job was to teach you maths.
1: See, now, I, I, I've never done any actual close studies on it, but I'm familiar with the art of war. Sun so, Sunzi is apparently the English version. Cause, cause, uh, I think all of the Chinese luminaries had like an English version of their name as well. Like, okay. Like uh, the, the English history books would always say Mao Zedong, things like that. that oh, um...
0: there's Mao Zedong or Mao Zedong, yeah. yeah.
1: So Sunzi is how we're supposed to be pronouncing it. But if you see the Chinese, it's, it's Sun Tzu, or T-Z-U at the I end. I see. But yeah, Mongo is giving lessons on the art of war, which is like a s- centuries-old famous bit of literature. Just absolutely fucking
0: wow. surreal. He's not going to give us lessons on wrestling or how to dress your dog, is he? I might,
1: I might have to tip off the Mongo account about this. I wonder if they'll cover commentary.
0: Hmm. I'm I'm wondering if uh if uh, we could uh, set up a um a spin-off account from because WCW of that poor Mongo's dog and just poor have uh, a different a different picture each week of what that poor dog's been made to wear. Or maybe maybe it'd just be a, a regular feature of the Because WCW uh, Twitter feed. Hashtag that poor dog. Uh, and, and we're just riffing live on air here. Here comes Savage ripping off his uh, Hulkamania t-shirt. Not the first time he's done that, I'm sure. <laughs> His uh, his attire does also remind me of uh, when he was advertising Slim Jim at uh, Havoc 97 that we covered in our last episode.
1: Yeah, I I do remember you kept going on about, of course he's going to win on a Slim Jim sponsored event. You don't remember Halloween Havoc 96 when he lost the main event to Hogan, do you?
0: Yeah, but that's because it was Hogan, you know.
1: Oh, is that an exception, is it?
0: Yeah, Yeah. No no one beats Hogan. Of course. Well, except... I say no one beats Hogan, but Hogan won. Hogan lost the the match in Havoc '97 yeah. after uh, getting his ass bitten by Roddy Piper.
1: Yeah. No one beats Hogan except Arn Anderson. Every single time.
0: We should I, say I, that I, too admit... loud.
1: Hogan yeah. will try and get his win back, like next week in 2020.
0: But um, but also um. Although Hogan did lose to Piper, you'd have been forgiven for forgetting about that two minutes later because of all the shenanigans.
1: Which I'm sure was not by design. Nor was it two months no. later when he managed to make uh, Sting look ineffective in the Starrcade 97 main event. The moment everyone had been fucking waiting for. I hate that bastard sometimes. For a year and a
0: half. Oh, here we go. It's uh, time for Flair for, to oversell for Hogan.
1: But I do, I do always like when Ric Flair flexes his almost non-existent muscles.
0: Or the fact that every time he chops Hogan, Hogan doesn't sell, but he still chops Hogan.
1: <laughs> I mean, when, when Flair flexes, I'm guessing that's where Muscles Mansfield got the idea for the gimmick.
0: They mentioned possibly. on the last podcast. Incidentally, there was also an eye rake from Hogan that was so shit, Flair didn't bother selling it.
1: That must have been a shit. If even Flair doesn't want to sell it. This is a man who sells a pose like Gunshot. And he didn't want to sell it.
0: Do you know what, with, with Hogan, this this really is, uh, this stage of his career, this is reminding me of a, a big daddy tag, yeah. in that he's in for a brief moment of time, has absolutely no um, offense against him, dominates and then tags out again.
1: We mentioned it in the last match about the Road Warriors, when all you've got left from an in-ring standpoint is the expectation that you're going to be the alpha male in the match, with nothing to back that up, it's quite sad.
0: Mm. But, you know, this is is what we were talking about with, with Guy Evans from a couple of episodes back, you know, where you've got these guys with their big money contracts and their creative control, not wanting to give up their spot. Therefore the glass ceiling that he often talked about was there. People couldn't progress and, and the product got stagnant yeah. and people left. Austin went to WWF and Benoit eventually did and Guerrero and, you know, so many of them.
1: The the uh the equivalent of player power in football it, it it works it can happen.
0: Oh, Savage is now grabbing both Miss Elizabeth and woman by the hair, but gets intercepted by uh, Kevin Sullivan.
1: To to be clear, they they tripped him on the ropes, which is why he grabbed them. He he didn't well, suddenly yes. he didn't suddenly
0: he didn't just uh,
1: drink yeah. eight cans of Stella Artois and and decide that to jettison the match at hand and go after the
0: valets no he was provoked in 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 wrestling terms you know I mean when we're, we, we're getting into dodgy ground here in 2020 but yeah in wrestling terms he was provoked yes
1: that's right you're talking about uh, 2020 and, and the date and that. And there I am making a really antiquated reference to Stéad Artois <laughs> That's a stale
0: stereotype. Mm. So not Savage is been... being worked on.
1: Yeah, I've, I've not been feeling the, the wrestling action on this show. It's been
0: pretty no. damn humdrum, hasn't it? It has been. It's been. It's it's had all the star power, and but not the in-ring action. Really? Yeah. I mean, we had, yeah, the last, the last couple of weeks of Nitro, we've had, we've had the the proverbial buffet. We've had a little bit of everything for everyone. This has just been the way, if you want to see the big names phoning it in, basically. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> Nitro, we're the big boys, half-arsed.
0: We're yeah. um, yeah, the big boys, phoning it in. Yeah.
1: I wonder if this is the the week where Eric Bischoff, while, while he's talking on commentary, in his mind, he's maybe secretly wondering, yeah, there is another piece to the, to the puzzle that they're missing there. They've got the live jump on WWE most weeks. They've got plenty of star power. But obviously, a show like this is just dragging and... The fans are just popping for big moments. They're not into the heat segments or anything like that. Hmm. This is. Because
0: uh, the crowd are now um, just just standing there watching. This, They're is, not this is Louisville. Cheering the baby faces on. Isn't
1: it? Is it Louisville, Kentucky, this one?
0: Um, I can't remember where he said it was now. I
1: feel like it's I'd Louisville, Kentucky. It and if I am right. That is not a town you should be struggling to keep the attention of. Very much a wrestling town.
0: Um, this was Knoxville, Tennessee.
1: Knoxville, Tennessee. So Tennessee, the again. Same, the same
0: point remains.
1: Yeah. Tennessee is a good wrestling area. You shouldn't Knoxville, be struggling Tennessee to engage great, them. Yeah.
0: No, Knoxville, Tennessee is a great, a great wrestling city. Hmm. Now people are literally being whipped into Hogan's boot while he stands in the corner, and now he leg drops on Anderson he's and he's about to get, get his, his pin back. back. And that was literally now he just gets nailed by Flair from behind right at the end. That did, was he's... the laziest Hogan performance I've ever ever seen. And Hogan is now on camera trying to helping Liz put some handcuffs on him. For fuck's sake.
1: <laughs> he's like feeding the hand to her.
0: Yeah, it's like take the camera off for God's sake. I mean this is embarrassing.
1: Yeah, they like they they have to go close up so we can see what's happening. And as soon as you see what bad job she is, and the announcers are all over it, get the fuck out of there.
0: You see the thing is you can close up on it now when you see him handcuffed.
1: Mm. And I just I just want to point out that Ric Flair's attack to the back of Hogan with a belt, which is what he was doing there. Um he stopped hitting him with a belt. Before Elizabeth finished putting the handcuffs on, so there's literally no point to that whatsoever.
0: Oh man, he could that have got was... those
1: belt shots in without that awful handcuff job.
0: Yeah, that that was was not a good episode. No, I mean we've out. This was number 26. We haven't had that many bad episode i think we've had about what three maybe I two think or that three that
1: might be the fourth third or fourth. Yeah. on a strict if we go past foul no no sitting on the fence allowed it passes or it fouls i think we've yeah it's been three or four out of 26
0: yeah so um over on raw the taped raw just um in case you wondered we had jake roberts beating isaac yankum dds um, Diesel beat Bob Holly, Ahmed Johnson beat Shinobi, which I think was Al Snow under a mask, and Yokozuna beat Owen Hart and Dave Boy Smith in a um, handicap match. So that was, what, uh, that was what was on the opposite channel. But, so not a um, good week
1: for wrestling overall, really. <laughs> yeah, I hope those watching, those watching everything at the time, I just hope they had access to ECW for their sakes.
0: Yeah, that was of course that was around at that point. Yes. Early
1: '96, um, ECW would have done the trick. They, they, they were in a creative hot run. '95, '96, probably the best time for to watch ECW. wasn't yeah. it?
0: Now there was no—I don't know why—but there was no WCW Nitro the following week. There was no March the fourth episode. So Monday Night Raw went unopposed, and we we're back for the March eleventh episode. Um, we can which, do our
1: research and put that in our introduction. We'll do another watch along soon. and
0: Yeah, and um, it's along very similar lines, really. We've got Road Warriors and the Steiner brothers. We've got um, Lex Luger against Alex Wright. And then we've got, a, believe it or not, we've got a what we've just seen. Hogan, Savage, and the Booty Man against Arn and Kevin Sullivan and Ric Flair in a six-man tag team lumberjack strap match.
1: Based off Flair using the belt twice, uh, yeah. w- which didn't actually need the handcuffs at all, um, you'll be pleased to know that Nitro was cancelled due to the NBA playoffs Aha! Uh-huh. on March the 4th.
0: Oh, fair so enough. So maybe man. maybe
1: we should do a watch long, but watch an episode of the uh, Michael Jordan documentary instead, since that was around. Yeah, time.
0: That's, uh... <laughs> yes. and um, and Monday Night Raw goes back to being live that uh, night as well. So they'll be uh, they'll be up against some live opposition. So Eric won't be able to uh, give away the results.
1: Oh no! What will he do then? He'll have to get Mongo we'll to have... talk about ancient literature again.
0: You'll have to wait till next week. Yeah, here comes Mango. (laughs) Right, well, you can't win them all, I guess. And we we didn't win that one on Nitro. But hey, what can you do? This is, after all, WCW.
1: We had Sting Luger, at least. Uh, They were a uh, diamond swimming in a sea of diarrhea on this episode. (laughs)
0: Indeed they were, yes. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. So thank you ever so much, everyone, for downloading us, uh, wherever you get your podcasts from. If you do have a moment to subscribe to us and rate and review us, please give us a five-star review. Tell everyone how marvellous we are, and we will send the uh, check in the post, honest gov. Um, So until the next time, this is me, the Twisted Genius DNA, saying... On behalf of my co-host Liam, thank you for listening and we will see you next week. Until then, I'll see you ringside.